Folks, welcome back to the Clemson Podcast. Ben and Cody here with you today to recap Clemson's 19-13 victory over Auburn on Saturday night as our Tigers go into the road into a hostile environment and pull out the victory in front of about 90,000 people at Jordan-Hare Stadium. Cody, you know, before we get into the questioning why we didn't score 50 in this game like everybody predicted, how exciting was it just to see this team back on the field playing football again? I was super excited. It was great. I kept saying Mike Williams all day. And I'm not, I don't mean particularly his performance, but just the, the thought of him being back on the football field. So excited about that. Excited to see Deshaun Watson. Um, yeah, everything leading up, it was, it was incredible. Yeah, I mean, and you may be able to tell with us a little bit, we're both missing a bit of our voices today. We did a lot of yelling on Saturday night. Um, but great to get back out to, to our Clemson alumni base out here in San Francisco, go to the boardroom, our local bar that we watch the games. We saw a lot of new faces and new alumni club members out here this year, and of course, it was good to see all the old ones. So if you're ever out this way in San Francisco on a college football weekend, look us up. Northern California Clemson Club will be at the boardroom in North Beach. So a couple other quick housekeeping keeping items before we get into the game today. Cody, I'll throw it to you. Yeah, you're, you're probably finding us on SoundCloud. I encourage you, I mean, you can continue to use SoundCloud if that's what you prefer. Um, I would suggest going to like an iTunes if you have an iPhone or Stitcher, uh, TuneIn Radio, whatever your favorite podcasting app is and, and go there. It's just a better listening experience. And also another special shout out to TigerNet because we're going to be in partnership with those guys this season. Uh, great people. Um, they do a great work. And I've been, I think just the last 24 hours I've been on TigerNet, the, the message boards, reading David Hood's work. So um, go check them out. And um, well, and, and another great thing about them is right after the game, they get the player interviews up really quickly. And as you know, it's uh, Clemson's policy that true freshmen or any freshmen really uh, aren't available to the media until they after, after they played their first snap. So really excited to see Dexter Lawrence and start to get a little bit inside of his personality from his first interview. So that was pretty cool. Yeah, check him out. I mean, you, you see some other stuff. Uh, Cleveland Farrell had a nice little quote about under, you know finally understanding how uh, smart Brent Venables is. So uh, a lot, lot of good stuff. So, Cody, uh, what we did see uh, Saturday night was a Clemson victory. What we didn't see was a national champion-like performance, a Heisman performance, and we really didn't see a lot of solid coaching performance, I don't think. I, I think it was a mix of a lot of things, but we're certainly not the best offense in the country, at least not yet, and you know, far from it. And coaching was, I, we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about play calling and some other things, but coaching's not where it quite needs to be. I think it's like all around effort, a lot of film to review, and a lot of people that, that need to step up their game as we move forward. And, and, and that's one of the differences that you saw in the national championship game last year is I really think we got outcoached by Nick Saban, especially on that onside kick call. So there's a lot of areas of this team. We just don't come into the season ranked number two um, as kind of the heir apparent, so to speak, and with a rightful path back to the national championship game. We've got to be hitting on all cylinders, and it wasn't really happening, at least on the offensive side of the ball, for this Auburn game. Now, what we saw from the defense, that was hugely surprising. 
Yeah, I mean, look at last year. We thought the same narrative coming into the season where the defense is rebuilding. We're going to need the offense to you know keep them afloat. And then sure enough, by the Notre Dame game, it was really the defense that was keeping the offense afloat. And we saw the exact same thing here in, in the first game. And now now we have to calibrate, right? Because we, we knew Auburn would have a good defense. How good were they? Right. And then we knew their offense. We thought their offense would be okay. How bad were they? And what does it mean? We, it's, all, it's all about the context. And we'll, we, well, we both have rewatched the film. We'll try to give as much... Yeah, I mean, long story short here, I think their defense was a lot better than we even thought we they would be, and we gave them credit going into this game. And then their offense was anemic. Uh, it, it, it just didn't seem to be there. You know, a lot of Clemson fans, you look on the message boards, they have expressed some frustration with this victory from the lack of production on offense to the call to go for it on fourth and four there at the end of the game and not kick a field goal. You know, as Clemson fans, have we become spoiled a little bit? It seems like it. it seems like there's a bit of a entitlement uh, and ex- ex- some expecting us to, to be flawless and to just put you know 50 points on Auburn, uh, just to move the ball down the field methodically. Like it's like that's going to happen every possession. First game of the year in a very very hostile environment. And like that's important to understand. It's it's very very similar to the uh, to the Louisville game from last year on a Thursday night. Well. Jordan Hare Stadium is it's it's a very very hostile environment. Uh, the offense looked like they were having a hard time at times getting some of the plays in. Uh, didn't play with a lot of pace. So I, anyway, back to the fans. I, I think yeah, a little bit of entitlement. I think we should kind of you know yeah yeah listen slow down a little bit on the you know where this this team doesn't have a right to win games and us as fans don't have a right. Um, to necessarily expect it without there being some sort of a challenge. This team was shaking off some rust. It was the first game of the season. We saw it last year. The offense took a while to get clicking. Now, we thought since Deshaun Watson had a full offseason, spring practice and fall camp, that they would come out clicking this year. But that wasn't the case. Now, it's not to say that it isn't going to improve. You saw how we played at the beginning of the season last year. Did anybody think we were going to be able to play Alabama that close in the national championship game? No. Are we there right now? No. Is Alabama? Yes. <laughs> After seeing what they did to Southern Cal on Saturday. But a lot of room for improvement. The main thing is we went into this hostile environment. Clemson Tigers came out victorious. And you know what? They did play like a team with poise because they held up at the end and didn't lose the game like you know Clemson teams of the past. We might have uh, seen this slip away. Uh, I don't. I don't give him too much credit for poise there at the end. I think that's more Auburn was not. not Auburn was not going to steal that game. You're not going to see the, you know, like the kick six or the miracle that happened in the Georgia game from like 2010. The miracles weren't going to happen. They just didn't have the talent. Um, and I think you're right there a little bit because we did see some er- uncharacteristic errors from some veteran veteran guys like Ben Bulware and Wayne Gallman there near the end of the game. Yeah, and that that's the kind of thing. It's the things you can improve on. I guess fans tend to get fixated, and it's a, it's very common in basketball, especially the last minute of the game or the last thirty seconds of the game. You know, so and so took a three pointer that was contested. Well, you know, Gallman screwed up, Ben Bowler screwed up, both of them, and it, it was very uncharacteristic of, of those guys. Uh, but it, there's so much that happened before that that led to that situation. Now, there's something to be said for a late game, like I said, poise and and situational type coaching, where I think we failed a little bit. But more than anything, there's so much that happened before the last, what, three minutes of the game that we should have put them away. And you see the margin for error when you're playing a team that's that talented on defense in that type of environment. The margin for error is very small. It could be a, 
It could be a six-point game. It could also we could just as well have won by three or four scores. Had some things going our way. Yeah, to not put this Auburn team away when they just they showed the inability to move the ball downfield all game, and then when they did get opportunities within the rail in the red zone, they failed to capitalize. And again, when you're playing a team on the road first game of the year like that. You yourself need to capitalize on things and put points back up on the, to the board. One thing that comes to mind to me is I believe after Ben Bowyer's interception, the offense turns around and goes three and out, gives Auburn a short field. They go down and score their only, only TD of the game. Yeah, and, and I mean, you could say Ben Bowyer should have never intercepted that ball in the first place. I mean, that was that was another mistake that he made. He should have just smacked the ball down. We got worse field position. There we are. You know, we could have been at the twenty instead. We're at the at the four-yard line, and, and obviously Auburn was wreaking havoc on the defensive line all night. That's a little hindsight there. I'm not going to dog Ben Bullwear on that one too much. Your instincts is going to be to catch that ball. Uh, the late hit out of bounds, and he's taking full responsibility for us. That was a bonehead move, no doubt about it. Right, yeah, I'm not as crazy. I mean, I'm, it's more that bone, the bonehead move. Hitting the, hitting the, it's a late hit on the quarterback, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah, that was that was the one less so, like you said, on the interception. I can live with that. Um Starting with Deshaun Watson, though, that, that's really where it started. Uh, I think just from watching the film, their their defensive line was really stout. They weren't getting a ton of pressure. I think for Morgan and Hyatt did a good job handling Lawson. Carl Lawson is maybe the best defensive lineman in the entire country. He's just a beast. I think Deshaun Watson had an internal clock in his head, which was probably three, maybe four seconds, and he's got to get the ball off. And I, they did a great job of – I guess making him throw pretty pretty quickly, uh, slant routes, uh, intermediate you know, routes, but he just did not have the poise. David Hood had an article about Cam Newton being there, feeling the pressure. It, it seemed like Deshaun Watson was trying to prove something. He didn't. He wasn't trying to you know to win the way he was playing against Auburn, or I'm sorry, an Alabama in the national championship game, where he just came out to win. He, he, he was playing like he wanted to prove that he's an NFL quarterback, that he can make those pocket passes. Uh, that he can drop back. And, you know, he escaped a few times. There were a few design runs. We didn't break out a whole lot, and I'm okay with that. But he just didn't look like a guy that – very inaccurate, probably aiming a little too much, trying to guide it a little too much. Uh, not what we've, you know, come come to believe that we would see from him. But also, like you said, he had all the reps in the offseason. I, I expected a lot more. I expected him to be a lot more sharp. Yeah, and I, I definitely think his accuracy was off, especially early on in that game. He did have one interception, but he could have very easily had three. Yeah, the first opening drive, we should have. He, he should have been intercepted. And that's, that's one of the things that we were looking for out of him coming into this year is, you know, there's very few things for him to improve on. One of those was cut down on the interceptions. Again, there was one they did have and then two drops. Right, it was right in the in the guy's hands. But the flip side of that, the one that Holsey intercepted, uh, the the out route to Ray Ray, he sh- that was an amazing catch. Like that was unbelievable ball skills uh, for, by Holsey. So he he earned that one. We'll say it was still the ball was still closer to him than it was Ray Ray though. Yeah, and I think that was a little timing off there between. Watson and Ray Ray, but but still, we need to clean up a lot of these mistakes. You know, just in general, maybe part of it had to do with Deshaun Watson being a little bit off, but there just seemed to be no rhythm on offense. The, the play calling ske- seemed a little scattered. The tempo was sluggish. You know, well, what was going on there? <laughs> well, for one, it seemed like there was a chess game of what to do on first down for Clemson versus Auburn, uh, or we'll say Steele versus Elliott. 
it seemed like they were. We wanted to get them on a on a pass play in the first down. Then we go. We became very predictable in like three or four different drives. So second down, we're going for a run, and a lot in a lot of cases we got stopped right at the line of scrimmage. Before you know it, it's third and long. Uh, they did a tremendous job again in the trenches, not allowing us to be dominant with the run game or not allow us to be consistent finding yards. Although Gallman, let me give him some credit. That guy. Uh, is just amazing, and and you know it's something we don't really think about. We're happy with Adam Choice. We're, we know Tyshawn Dye is taking a step forward, but Wayne Gallman is on another level. When, when a backup comes in, there is a significant drop off. He did a great job of finding three, five yards in the early going when they weren't otherwise there. He he quietly had over 120 yards rushing. I mean, another amazing game for him, and it's you know it's not it's not just his running ability, but his pass blocking is phenomenal. He laid a he laid a big block on that uh, TD pass to Renfro. Yeah, that was all that was all him. He did a great job. Um, and let me give some credit to Sean Watson on that one too, because he was throwing off his back foot and placed that ball perfectly. Right, and maybe you know Deshaun was a little rusty, but he made some NFL passes, some and things that we just tend to expect. We, we assume he's throwing it; it should be a reception. Late in the game to Mike Williams on well, that they got third going down in the play. second quarter, and I mean he was hitting some over, you know. Um, over the shoulder or on the, the backside of the shoulder throws to or Davis Scott to Mike Williams. And, you know, a lot of that's Mike Williams making the catch, but um, it was, he made some really nice plays aside from just not being what we have come to expect. And I guess my biggest, the biggest thing that I was disappointed was uh, we didn't use Ray. We do not use Ray Ray McLeod right in our offense. He's a, he's a number two, he's a slot receiver, but he needs to be used on jet sweeps and getting him out in space screens, screen passes, Get him in space so he can make make plays. We do not need to be using him as a traditional possession wide receiver. Like there's Trevion Thompson, and I know he doesn't play the two in our offense. There's Hunter Renfo that could do a better job. Ray Ray's not a great receiver. He's not doesn't have a great catch radius. We've seen him get intercepted before. I'm not saying that 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 was a again that was a great catch by Holsey on the interception. But if that's Trevion Thompson, if it's Mike Williams, he, we might at least get to it and and bat it down. So. That's a good thing to focus on because it's it's not just Ray Ray, but the use of Artavis Scott. I believe he only had three catches in the game. What happened to the quick passing game in this one? We saw barely any screens out to Artavis Scott, get a couple blockers in front of him and get him going down the field. And that's a situation where you can use Ray Ray too. Right. And I think in both situations, so maybe another to an, another point that I was really kind of disappointed with in the play calling, we didn't do anything in the in the horizontal game, trying to get to the perimeter and attack them. They have, I mean, obviously Carl Lawson is on one side, but they'd have a true freshman on the other. I don't know what, why they didn't try to get some things going there. Uh, there's no, there's no passes over the middle, hardly to speak of. I mean, everything seemed to really be to the outside or focus on Mike Williams. Right. Not that he's a bad person to focus on because he did have what 11 catchers or something like that in this game, racked up a ton of yards, but he also had three critical drops in the end zone. He was good, but he he made a few mistakes. The the fumble that that was a big miscall. And I, by the way, Jesse Palmer, to his credit, I thought he did a really good job of announcing the game. Uh, didn't seem he didn't throw his like Clemson jabs in. At least that I I could I didn't hear any. And he he was good. And he was kind of even on that on that one play though where he got fumbled. He said it's not conclusive. I thought it was pretty darn conclusive. And granted, I'm I'm a Clemson fan. But, but it was absolutely conclusive. The guy, the guy was, was out of he bounds. Was standing out of bounds. And that was a huge moment. And it took Jesse Palmer a while to warm up to that one to figure out what was actually going on. But True. Yeah. You know, the rest of us saw it. 
The guy was clearly out of bounds. There was no reason that should be missed, especially when it goes to replay. That was an egregious error by this officiating and SEC replay crew. Yeah, another, you know, that was a huge turnover, huge momentum swinger. That was one of the, there were several times where we stalled out and, you know, that being one where that, that was right after offense was going. I think we scored a touchdown on the play before or the possession before. Mike Williams and Deshaun Watson were finding, you know, finally connecting, finding the chemistry that we've we've seen them have in the past. So let's let's go back to our offensive line real quick, because you mentioned Carl Carl Lawson, and for me personally, I saw him all over the place. I actually did think uh, for Morgan was having a little bit of trouble with him on the outside, and we saw Lawson flipping back and forth on sides of the field. Um, I saw a lot of times we tried to rush over the right side when he was there, and there was nothing going. Right. I mean, he he did a great job. He I guess. The big thing was we kept Deshaun Watson on his feet, and that was, and again internal clock. He he knew Lawson was coming. Hyatt and Morgan could only hold him off for so long. Where they were really dominant, which is kind of a little disappointing, is just uh, the interior their interior D line, which they have some hosses. I mean, but our offensive interior line, our guards, we feel pretty good about them. They go up against some of the best every every day in practice. Yeah, but and I th- think it was a clear, decided advantage for Auburn on their interior line. Well, and, and to be fair, probably the best D-line we'll see all year. Maybe that'll be Florida State. We'll see how that goes. We'll watch Florida State play tonight. But make no mistakes about it. That's one of the best defensive lines in the country. Yeah, it is. And that's where we have to calibrate. Like We knew that it was going to be a good defensive line. Why were they so darn good in the secondary and in, in, in their linebackers? I have to say, I, I think they have some... Hard hitting, very very sound. I credit to Kevin Steele for the performance. Maybe he just knows enough about Clemson. He knew exactly how to attack us. But I think their 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 DBs did as good as well as they could have done. Uh, their linebackers were hard hitting. They no yards after the catch. You, you know, every time we got a you know a slant route, there was a guy. There was a guy there sticking, you know, a Hunter Renfo, for example. Yeah, speaking of uh, Kevin Steele, he ran a lot of man coverage, um, and it really took this offense a while to adjust. You mentioned their DBs, man. They, they covered well all game long. The, our receivers consistently uh, failed to get good separation all, off the line. And even when we did have a completed pass, somebody was right there on top of them. And that also speaks to how well their linebackers did too because for us that was the question mark heading into this game is their bigness weekend, uh, weakness would be their linebackers. And we thought we could get a over-the-middle passing game going, but wasn't really a lot there. Yeah, I thought they did a great job. And credit to Kevin Still again. Uh, he knew what to do, and I mean, we couldn't. That's why it was so important. I feel like to open up the perimeter game, try and it's not. You don't have to go to Artavis or Ray Ray on a jet sweep, but give them the threat of something. Get, you know, make their linebacker pull over, and then or you know cheat over, and then try to hit Jordan Leggett, for example. You know, down the seam, uh, you just didn't see any of that. Well, and speaking of Jordan Leggett, I was really disappointed not to see more out of him as a football player. He had those bonehead moves where we had burned two timeouts there in a row on a, on a drive, I think, to end the first half. And then after the second timeout, Leggett doesn't get set, uh, causing – well, he doesn't get set, causing the second timeout. And then right coming back after that, he has a false start penalty. Where's this kid's head? He's supposed to be a senior. Like, at this point in his career, it's supposed to be all there and clicking, and we're just not seeing it out of him, at least not in this game. Yeah, one game, I mean, we'll give, we'll give him the benefit of the doubt and see how things go, but yeah. I mean, I think a bigger point was we talked about his blocking. Clemson left him in in so many different run, like obvious run plays where he was the lead blocker, you know, the H-back. He's just, he's not a blocker, man. I mean, he maybe he's gotten a little bit better at it, 
But, I mean, why not just put Garrett Williams in? You know we're going to run. I mean, I guess the threat of, a, of him, you know, kind of fading out and, and hitting him in a, in a kind of a check down situation. But why not just put Garrett Williams in there? Why not put Dexter Lawrence in there? And that was, you know, one of the confusing things just watching this offense go is it just did not seem to be a lot of cohesiveness you know, within the guys that, was on, that were on the field, but then also with the play calling. You know, you speak about Dexter Lawrence, and this kind of touches on both uh, the play calling and Leggett. One, on that uh, Wayne Gallman's touchdown, our first touchdown, where Dex and Wilkins come in there on fourth down, what gets lost in all of that is, you know, uh, Palmer and Musburger were, you know, talking so much about big guys in there. Leggett drove his guy five yards into the end zone. He really set the edge and... Had a huge part to do with that touchdown. I mean, that was that was a big play. I don't his, think Lawrence touched anybody. There was nobody there. <laughs> <laughs> I love that package. I, I it reminds me of Alabama's. They did the same thing with their you know two headed monster. I can't remember the guy's name. Re- but reminds me of Refrigerator Perry. And I can't <laughs> wait until I hope we have a play lined up where we actually hand the ball to Lawrence. But let me ask you this: Why why were Big Dex and Christian Wilkins not out there on third and goal? I thought the same thing. If, you, if you're going to do it on fourth and one... Why, why not, not do it on third? Why, and then in, in a lot of other cases, too, we, we were going for it fourth and short or third and short. Just put them in. Like, get the yard, quit, you know. And in some cases, we did a pass play. I don't know. Just in, in, I think the first drive uh, where we stalled out, third and five, we went for it on fourth and five. We were right there, just right out of field goal range. If you know you're, you know you're in four-down territory, why don't you try to, you know, just run the ball? <laughs> get, get three yards and then have two left to get for the fourth down. I, I don't know. Yeah, a lot of it didn't make sense. Well, it's funny you mentioned that because at the end of the game, here we are going for it on fourth down, fourth and four. You know, this coming off a Gallman run where he runs out of bounds. And I think at that point you knew that this coaching staff wasn't planning on a field goal because if they had, they would have set something up in the middle of the field to give Hugo a straight shot. Instead, Gallman bounces off to the outside. His True instincts come out, and he tries to keep motoring for the first down, but ultimately he comes up four yards short, goes out of bounds, and stops the clock. So all the big focus on the call that comes after that, but how much of a gaffe with that was that on Gallman's part? He has to know better, right? Yeah, it's a huge gaffe. And going to Dabo, I, I think that's a fair decision. It was a 40-yard kick. Uh, we, had, we had issues with snaps. We had issues with uh, extra points. Extra points. I mean, Hugel is probably going to be about the nervous he's, as nervous as he's ever been, coming, especially coming off his last miss. Like, why even risk it? I mean, granted, Gallman should have got, gotten uh, stayed in bounds, but I think that's a fair – I mean, it's a fair call. Our defense did look good all night. Uh, God, the, th- the last two plays in the end zone, you know, credit to, Jar- to Jadar Johnson. Oh, my God. For his lack of height, maybe he's not 6'5", he's like 6'2". I'm pretty sure he has a 40-inch vertical. He got up. He got up on the interception before that, too. But he, both plays, he was the guy like just pat, smacking it down. Yeah. You well know, above. Well above everyone else. You know, the whole non-field goal try, in the moment, I was like every Clemson fan in the country. I was questioning it as well. Thought it was a huge bonehead move not to send Hugo out there. And at least, like, line him up the play before. But, but again, you know... In hindsight, looking at that Gallman run, you could tell the coaching staff was never seriously considering it. And given a day um, and a handful of uh, less beers later in my system, uh, thinking a little bit more clearly about it, 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 it does make a lot of sense from what Dabo said as to why they decided not to go for the field goal. I think it's, it, you know, the, the questioning is compounded by the fact that the game was so close there at the end and likely should not have been. 
Um, and because some of the head scratchers had come previously to that and the special teams problem, this, this team continues to face this year, even after all the focus put on it after the national championship game and, you know, just in general how they played last year. Yeah, I think one of the, the couple of bad luck type things, one, you know, Hugo just kicking the ball out of bounds on the kickoff. What the heck? That's, Come on, man. That's, that's nerve because he kicked well the rest of the game. Yeah. Just that first one. And Ray Ray not possessing that, what would have been, you know, like a 45-yard punt, and then it goes 20 yards, and it ended up being a 68-yard punt. So I, I don't – I think that was just really bad luck. I mean, other than that, I mean, you didn't see improvement on special teams, but – I'm not as worried about that. I, I think, I, all in all, I'm not really worried about a whole lot. I think, I think offensively, we're not going to be, we're going to have some work to do. I did not expect that. I thought we would hit, you know, hit the ground running. But and again, we're questioning this offense, having played just one of what will be the best defenses they'll see all year. We've got them. We've got Florida State. Uh, looking down the rest of the ledger, that's about it. There, there's not a lot there to be afraid of. The first game of the year, right out of the blocks on the road in Jordan Hare. Okay, it was a tougher game than we thought it would be. But listen, this offense is going to get it worked out. They're going to be phenomenal. They just need to have it worked out by the time we go into Louisville. Or sorry, the time we have Louisville into Death Valley. Yeah, and before we talk about maybe the bright spots, the defense, um, Auburn, I, I can't see them. I think they're going to have another middle-of-the-road 500-year. They have a just insane schedule. I think their offense is going to sputter out even more. It's going to put a lot of stress on their defense, and I think, unfortunately, even though I think this is a good win, a quality win in a hostile environment, I think this win is not really going to age well throughout the year because I think they're going to – I guess the good news is they're, they're going to have a mutual opponent like an LSU playing at home. Uh, that, that defense, I, I think that de- – if that's not a top-10 defense, Auburn's de- – then I'll be I'll be kind of surprised. And who would have thought that, given Gus Malzahn's track record with offenses, and then Kevin Steele, his kind of decline as a D coordinator over the past several years. Kudos to Kevin Steele. Wow, what a, what an amazing job! And you're right. You know what, Cody? It's a win. And there's there's not many SEC teams that you go into to their house first game of the year, come out with a victory, and you feel bad about it. Maybe South Carolina and Vandy if you play them that close, but not Auburn. Just not with this fan base, not with the history of their program. And listen, they've got some very talented guys on the field. Yeah, no, definitely. It- I think we'll see in time what they got. Uh, LSU's coming up at home just in a few weeks. We can at least get in a some, little bit more uh, a reference point, I guess you would say. Yeah, well, and again, we hadn't seen either team play yet. So this was a good barometer for us to start from, and we'll, we'll go from there. So let's flip it over now. Talking about that Kevin Steele defense, or sorry, talking about Gus Monzon's offense, um, you know, as complex as they say his offense is, I think the only thing more complex – uh, then his offensive scheme was uh, trying to figure out who's, who he's going to play at quarterback. He he seemed like a guy that's on a hot seat, and almost it almost seemed like he was trying to lose. Or I I don't I mean I don't, that's maybe not the right way to say it. He seemed like he didn't want anyone to emerge, and I, I guess maybe he could scapegoat it on the quarterbacks because that was the worst. And even Musburger said that's the most unusual kind of substitution pattern for quarterbacks that he's ever seen. Yeah, it was it was, it was, a, it was horrible. We, you and I didn't even talk about Jeremy Johnson in, in the recap or in the preview to this game because I, I honestly didn't think he was going to play. I was focused more on uh, Franklin and Sean White. But, man, just to roll three out there, if, if you want to see the right way to manage multiple quarterbacks, you go look at the Texas, how Texas used their quarterbacks against Notre Dame. The way to not do it is how Gus Malzahn used them in the game against Clemson. 
He got to a what was it? Uh, Franklin comes in, looks good in that zone read. We had we were fearing him because he has so much speed on the edge. Yeah, Wilkins was hesitant over there, D, when he came in the game. So, but then they get to second and eight, or maybe it was third and eight, and they put Johnson in and interception. And I, I don't know what they were, what he was thinking. And I'll say even before the, their first three, you know, three points was because Jeremy Johnson made two NFL level throws. Uh, and stuff that wasn't wasn't really on our defense. It was just great. Well, in passing, yeah. Listen, you know, ultimately Gus Malzahn may have helped us out a little bit, but you know, this defense came out and surprised us. They held Auburn to a hundred under a hundred yards rushing, only one in the first half. Uh, Auburn was only three of seventeen on third down conversions. This defense picks up where they left off from last year, as far as that's concerned. Fourteen tackles for losses. Three sacks. Two of the brightest moments for me was watching the back-to-back sacks from uh, Dexter Lawrence and Christian Wilkins. Man, big Dex getting back there. Thing of beauty. I, you know, I said in the preview, I was like, they have a great interior offensive line. That's where they think they're all-American good. Uh, I thought, you know, it might be a kind of a, I don't know, might be even along the interior line. That was not the case. Defensive tackle, I, I knew it was going to be good, elite. I, I can't imagine it. I, I, I think it's better even than I, than I thought it was going to be. Carlos Watkins is an NFL-level player, and he, he looked like it. He was so disruptive. Dexter Lawrence, I had no idea he would be ready. I, I knew he'd be good. He's big. He's huge. I knew that. Man, I, he's quick. I had no that, idea the speed. Yeah, and just the way he he plays with a lot of intelligence. He, he's ready. The, I, I had no idea he could make an impact this soon. The closing speed and the, the killer instinct on that sack, the track. Well, I can't even remember which quarterback was playing at that point, <laughs> but I mean that was that was absolutely amazing. And then then again for Wilkins to follow it up, uh, thing of beauty. Yeah, the defensive line was absolutely dominating. I thought maybe heading into this game that we would see Richard Yergin get the start. The coaching staff felt otherwise. Put your best guys out there on the field. I was really pleasantly surprised with what Wilkins was able to do with the defensive end position. We didn't see a lot of Yergin, maybe on some passing downs, but that's about it. Yeah, I think that's how they're using him. I was surprised to see how fast Christian Wilkins was off the line of scrimmage. I mean, he was he was obviously doing a good job setting the edge. We knew he could do that. But, yeah, getting after the passer, I mean, look, he's not Vic Beasley by any means, but, I mean, he's got some speed for a guy that's 300 pounds. And what, I, what makes me most optimistic, like, look, Auburn was bad. Gus Malzahn kept shooting himself in the foot by rotating the quarterbacks in. But I always say, when you play a really bad offense, a really bad opponent, what should it look like? And that's and you know to prove that you are a good defense or a good team. Well, that's what it should look like because yeah. they couldn't do anything. No, and this this defensive line also really helped made me cover up some of the weaknesses we have in the secondary. I thought the linebackers played really well. I thought I saw Jalen Williams in there a lot, much to my surprise. As normal, Ben Bulware was all over the place. So I thought that level of the defense played really well. There were some busted coverages there in the second level of the defense in the passing game sometimes, but otherwise I thought they played pretty well. Yeah, we, we didn't. So much was happening at the line of scrimmage that we didn't even get a chance to see what Mark Fields had. I mean, Tankersley made a few just excellent plays, but yeah. it wasn't like he was out on an island and we got to see his coverability or anything like that. A um, couple things, maybe back to the defensive line really quick. When Austin Bryant gets back, and I hope he can get back by Louisville, that – that's a huge, huge shot in the arm because then we can rotate what we feel like is three really, you know, two All-American defensive tackles and a guy that Dexter Lawrence that we feel like in time probably will be an All-American. That that'll just be <laughs> we feel we know. Come on, yeah, <laughs> he's he's well on his way. Uh, Cleveland Farrell, he looked a little bit. I don't want to say lost, like he's out of position. He he could have made some really big sacks. Physically, he looked the part for sure. He looks like. 
for, for one, I remember I only my only context was his high school film when he was about 225 pounds, and I thought he was just kind of long and skinny. He's 255 pounds now. He still moves really well. I think he's got the makings of. Uh, we talked about him being an NFL player. I mean, he needs to kind of get more in tune with things and get comfortable because he had, he missed a few sacks and big play opportunities. But man, he's he's both quick and he's got the strength now. You know, packing on the extra muscle. He's the next Vic Beasley, the next Shaq Lawson. But honestly, he can he could probably be better than both of those. Yeah, well, I, but I still think Christian Wilkins was the best defensive end on the field <laughs> on Saturday night. Uh, they were both good. They yeah. were both good. I, I think Wilkins, you get a little bit more better instincts. I think he's, you know, I saw him hasn't I, played in like two years. Well, that's true. And I saw Wilkins around the ball more. I, I think overall yeah. Wilkins is a better player. Now his natural position is still going to be defensive tackle, but make no mistake about it. What you saw out of Farrell, the more in-game experience he starts to get, he's really going to start to to blossom. Put Austin Bryant back on that other side. That's going to be a strong tandem. This defensive line, folks, is going to be amazing all year long. And they're going to take the pressure off the linebackers in the secondary and give those guys, newcomers, some time to grow. Right. And we always talk about this. When you're playing a league competition, like what can you what can you kind of lean on? What what is your advantage that you that you just can't you can look, watch film all you want, but you just can't take away our defensive line advantage, especially along the interior of the line. You're not going to be able to run on us. I don't necessarily think we're going to be as good as Alabama's interior line from last year, but I, I think it's going to be pretty close when you get Christian Wilkins back inside, uh, pair him with Carlos Watkins. Scott Pagano played really well, and then obviously Big Dex, who's just going to keep getting better. It, it's, it, it is a really strong advantage. And, and it, again, Auburn had a good set of guards and a good center. If they can't move the ball on us, I don't, I don't think there's going to be too many teams in the country that will. I see a lot of low-scoring games in the ACC this year because there's not a lot of teams in our schedule that can I can see them th- throwing it on us or being able to hold up against a defensive line that is so stout. Uh, we didn't get a good read on the secondary just because they weren't able to pass the ball that well. Um, one curious thing to me is one tank did look really good but we knew what to expect out of him i liked what i saw out of jajar johnson he did have some mistakes though van smith i thought played well i didn't see a lot of mark fields and interesting to note that heading into the troy game this week ryan carter is actually listed as the starter ahead of mark fields wow yeah not again not a lot was going on in the past game so i didn't get a chance to really zone in on fields though i think the one or two plays that i saw him he was getting off blocks and being physical uh, making tackles, so I like that. But uh, this wasn't like you know, Florida State's going to bring something different. It's going to be more important once we play them. Maybe Louisville, who we'll talk about Lamar Jackson later. It's going to be more important to get a pass rush. And that, in this game, it was more gap integrity and setting the edge as a defensive end. But we need those guys again. That's why we need Austin Bryant back because I think he poses a bigger threat as a you know in terms of sack potential. Cleveland Farrell. I'm glad, I'm glad he came to Clemson. Um, talk about the linebackers uh, really quick. Uh, Kendall Joseph, I, I see why they say he was better than B.J. Goodson. He's just, he's so, he's quick. He gives us an element of uh, sideline to sideline speed that we haven't had really with Goodson or, or Boulware to some extent. And this is Goodson, who may very well be starting for the Jets this year in his rookie season in the NFL. I mean, he was great, disciplined. Get great gap integrity, and he could, you know, he moved. He was a, he was like a wrecking ball. Uh, Goodson, or excuse me, Kendall Joseph isn't going to be that same type of player. But I saw him at one point. He was out of position um, on a on a you know on a run play, but he corrected himself, got back, and made the tackle. So a lot of quickness, and I think that bodes well 
for when we go up against Lamar Jackson and when we, we face Dalvin Cook. We need a little bit more linebacker speed, and I think with, with him and Corey Wiggins, welcome back. Yeah, exactly. Saw, I, I saw him in a few plays. Between him and, and Dorian O'Daniel, I, I think that's an upgrade over Travis Blanks from last year. I yeah. mean, he's just more instinctive. He's not like a burner, but he's he knows where to be. And, and listen, again, first game out for these guys, a lot of them didn't play many snaps last year. So to get this under their belt, big win, great defensive showing. We got two games you know, against Troy and SC State coming up before we get back into some harder opponents, but... Give them some more time to get acclimated. They're, you know, they're gonna get better. Yeah, and I, I didn't see Trey Lamar. Actually, I mean, I saw him a couple times. Uh, we'll see what he's got. But Kendall Joseph, he's gonna have a hard time uh, upseating him for that for that starting mic position. Well, and that's one of the thing I'm looking for out for it out of the next two games against Troy and SC State is to see a lot of these younger guys on both sides of the ball play. You mentioned Trey Lamar, Trayvon Mullins, another guy I would like to see out there along with Kavon Wallace on the defensive side of the ball. On the offensive side of the ball, we saw nothing from Tavion Feaster. He didn't make it into the game. So, you know, over the course of the next two, really looking to see what he'll be able to break out. Same thing with Cornell Powell. Um, but overall, you know, this team did what it needed to do. It may not have performed up to the levels on offense that we expected them. But listen, they exceeded them on defense. Uh, whether or not, again, that's Malzahn, Malzahn's ineptitude at, you know, managing quarterbacks. But at the end of the day, Clemson wins this game 19-13. to 13. Uh, Go ahead. Question for you. Sure. Is it going to be a top 15 defense or is Auburn, talking about Clemson's defense, or is Auburn just that bad? Okay, so Auburn has no wide receivers that we're afraid of. They were down to, I don't know, their third string running back. I think they started the game with a wide receiver in the backfield. So, I mean, that, 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 that speaks volumes to kind of the lack of weapons they have and the, you know, the question marks of quarterback. That being said, that defensive line dominated an SEC offensive line, and that's again going to go a long way to us being Are they very, top fifteen. Yeah, I think so. I, I think that no, I, I do, and I think them yeah. themselves. We have we do have experience with linebackers. Ben Bullware is going to play great all year. We have the talent um, in the in the other position groups. Give them some time to get acclimated, and again, our schedule from here on out, outside of Louisville and Florida State, is very very weak. Right, so it, it really it's how we match up against Louisville and Florida State. Yeah. I, I think we can certainly look like a top 15 defense it, against some of the ACC opponents. Is Syracuse going to score on us? Is Wake Forest going to score on us? I don't think so. Yeah. I, I would, I'd say there's, the pieces are in place. Is South Carolina going to score on us? We've got to develop a pass rush. Cleveland Farrell's got to make those plays that he wasn't able to make. I think he'll get better just as he gets more acclimated to the game. But I, I never thought – I mean, I guess the reason this is so important – is because we never thought that this could potentially be a top 15 defense or even a top 10 defense. And and I acknowledge. Listen, you you I, see why the coaching staff was so confident coming into this game. And, and I, I acknowledge the fact that this is far from a really good offense that we played, and that went a long way to why this defense played so well. But you just look at the natural raw talent we have across the defensive line, It's I, I think that's going to – they're going to carry this defense this year while the other the younger guys get better. Right. If Austin Bryant can come back and, and be at full strength, again, moving Wilkins back into defensive tackle, that I, yeah. I think it's definitely a top 20 defense. The, the pieces are in place. Whether the numbers shake out, I don't know. But I would say top 20. So a couple other things really to kind of tie a bow on this win. Let's We talked a little bit about special teams. I'd say the only thing that did look good is Andy Teasdale averaged over 40 yards a punt. He had one big boomer over 50-something yards, so good to see an improvement at least in one area. The kickoffs, of course, still suspect. You mentioned Cody Hugel shanked that first one, pulling it out of bounds. 
Um, we actually gave up two big returns that ended up being brought back by penalties. So apparently having some starters out there on kick coverage, you know, really didn't make much of a difference. Yeah, there was it's kind of, you know, you know, so much effort went into it and to see this first performance really not live up to what we thought it would. Uh, kind of disappointing. I have to think it's going to get better. I mean, and then, like, Artavis Scott, for one, he you know, filtered a ball two yards in the end zone, took it out to, like, the 15. You know, just got to, like, a lot of it was in between the ears type plays. I, I think just because we've dedicated, you know, we, we're putting starters on special teams, I, I think it gets better. Yeah, well, and they have to get out there, and, I mean, because they didn't play all of last year, right? Probably a lot of them. Um, some of the new starters may have, but, you know, a guy like Ben Bulware didn't play on special teams last year, so... Give him a few games, at least the uh, concern and focus on it is there at the beginning of the season as opposed to last year where it took us getting, you know, getting going into the season to realizing there was an issue and still not being able to recover uh, from it by the time we got to the national championship game. So, but I mean, that being said, improvement needs to be made, no doubt. Yeah, I, we'll see how things go from here on out. Okay, so... We'll wrap up talking about our predictions that we we had coming into this game, and quite embarrassing, <laughs> given the score was nineteen to thirteen. But lucky for us, nobody else, you know, especially on the Tiger Net predictions or really throughout the country, had this being a nineteen thirteen game or anything resembling that. So we got a point system here. Um, part of it is based on how close between myself, Cody, and Tully, and then our aggregate podcast score, how close it is to the actual score. You get points based on that. And then also you get you know points for one winner. Well, we were so far off base this week that nobody got points for being close to the score. We exceeded it by too much, but Tully was the closest. He gets the win with 10 points. We'll see how it goes the rest of the year. So, Cody, that wraps it up for the Auburn game. Always good to, to start off 1-0 no matter how that comes. Uh, we're in great shape moving forward now, too, now that we have these two games. And, by the way... Georgia Tech, if we can do that against Auburn, uh, Georgia Tech does not worry me one bit. Like, I don't care if it's Thursday night, doesn't matter. I, I, Louisville worries me a little bit, but I think we're in good shape to, like you said, ease in the new guys over the next two weeks, you know, shake off the cobwebs, you know, get, get, you know, get Rashawn back in a rhythm. You know, maybe he's just a slow starter, but this puts us in, in good shape going forward. And by the way, Louisville and, and Florida State playing, uh, you know, one another. It's going to be really good that we will have that film available to watch. Yeah, and so before we'll, we'll, we play one of them, and we'll take a look at some of those other teams here in a second. But you know, real quick, looking ahead to next week, we play Troy. Uh, they're one and zero, coming off a fifty-seven to seventeen victory over Austin P. They had seven hundred and six yards of total offense. Outside of that, I don't know anything about them, and I'm probably not going to study up too much. But instead of focusing on what Troy brings to the table, the 706 yards of total offense may make me think that we actually may have more of a defensive test next week. But what are we looking for out of Clemson as a whole? <laughs> That's a good point. Uh, I want to see establish a run game and just dominate. Nowhere we can find seven yards consistently. That's what we, we couldn't do it against Auburn. They, they just did not have enough holes in their defense. Credit to them. Uh, I want to see us know we can ride, uh, ride a Sean Watson, Wayne Gallman in the run game for seven yards a pop. And then I want to see more consistency, just more accuracy with Deshaun Watson's passing. Yeah, and that's kind of the thing for me. I want to see this offense just just get clicking from the get-go and put the game away early. We'll be in Death Valley, first home game of the year. You know, the crowd will be there and excited behind them. And just 
take a look at the things that went wrong this week and really improve on them next week, knowing that we're going to be playing a defense that's not nearly as good as the Auburn defense. And hey, no injuries. We came out of we came, Auburn we came, we came out of Auburn clean. Um, and then, like I mentioned before, I want to see some of those backup offensive playmakers get into the game. Tavion Feaster, Cornell Powell. Uh, I want to see Tyshawn Dye, Adam Choice. I want to see more out of them. And C.J. Fuller. Um, the defensive side of the ball, like I said, I think they may actually be more challenged next week. I'm not convinced that we learned much in the Auburn game just because how inept Auburn was in their offensive package. So we'll see what happens. I want to see more of uh, Richard Yergin. I want to see him get out there and get some more playing time to, to see where we really sit uh, depth-wise after Austin uh, Bryant's injury. Yeah, I, I totally agree. We didn't learn a whole lot, especially about, uh, especially with the secondary. I think uh, you know, we know Jadar Johnson has a great vertical. I will say we did learn that that interior line is dominant, and we and Cleveland Farrell is a player. At least we, you, you can't like yeah the offense was horrible, but like that speed and that size just don't lie. Like it translates. One more thing I want to point out: Did you see Cordrea Tankersley tackle two guys at once? Yeah, that was beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't really give Mike Williams his proper due. I, we we talked about him making a few mistakes, but how good was he? I mean, it, it is so great having him back and, and what he adds to our offense. Had, had he not been in, in the game, I don't think we come out of that winning. Uh, incredible. I, I think it's been so long since we saw him, and we, and we only got to see him in limited spurts against uh, in 2014. Uh, granted, he was healthy all year, but Cole Stout was throwing to him you know, when Deshaun Watson was down. So it's amazing what he brings to this offense. He, he's the closest thing to New Hopkins I've seen, and I think he might even be potentially better at least at the college level because he's got about two inches on nuke but unbelievable ball skills catch radius uh just oh my god what what a player and what what an asset to the offense yeah it was phenomenal to see him play he had nine catches for 174 yards in that game and for your first game back and that was huge i mean the next two guys were scott and renfro with only three receptions apiece there was a while there deshaun watson was only throwing to mike williams he made some great catches. He'll only improve. You're not going to see those same drops you saw before. But, yeah, really, really cool to have him back on the field. What a great story after what happened last year. He looks he looks so fast. He, I think he's rebuilt his body. Maybe I just didn't realize how fast he was. But, man, he's got some speed, too, that I didn't quite – yards after the catch that he was able to pick up. Wow. Yeah, so welcome. NFL play. He should be in the NFL right now as a starter somewhere, but thank God he's at Clemson. Welcome back there, Mike. You'll be there next year. Um, so, Cody, let's wrap up today. Let's take a look around college football. There were some really, really great games this weekend. I think, honestly, it, the hype lived up to the billing. Let's start with the big one everybody's been talking about, Wake Forest 7 to lane 3. What would you think of that? <laughs> it was a barn burner. <laughs> Best game of like, the weekend. Can we kick Wake Forest out of the ACC at uh, this point? Um, but let's talk about the real one everybody's going to be talking about. I mean, there's several to talk about this weekend, but the one that stood out for me is that Texas-Notre Dame game last night. Texas 50, uh, number 10, Notre Dame 47 in double overtime. What a fantastic game. Texas goes up. They're up by 17 points at, at one point. Notre Dame comes storming back. You got some issues there with the kick, and it was kind of back and forth there at the end, but that was a beautiful football game. And I didn't get to see all of it, just small pieces of it. So I'm going to go back and rewatch the fourth quarter in overtime. But, hey, a lot of a lot of top ten teams went down. And I think this is good as, as people are jockeying for position. Notre Dame's got a loss. And they'll probably get another loss at some point. And that's that's good for Clemson. And listen, folks, Bouchelle for, uh, for Texas looked pretty solid. And then bringing swoops in there, I mentioned how well Charlie Strong and that Texas – 
uh, team manage multiple quarterbacks, and it's ultimately why they won the game. So is Texas back? I don't think they're back quite yet, but they could still beat Oklahoma, and this maybe might make for a nice segue. Well, that's who I got next on the list, because apparently Houston could beat Oklahoma. <laughs> Houston stuns Oklahoma 33-23, to and, I mean, they pulled away at one point. I think it was 33-17 to or something like that. Um, but Houston looked really good, and Oklahoma, inept on offense, couldn't stop them on defense. It was their offensive line. It was eerily similar to the Orange Bowl. I think it was like 18-17 at half, whereas our halftime score was 17-17. to Houston comes out. They start beating them up in the trenches. Oklahoma's they, offensive line is, is not very good. And that's what we mentioned about this Oklahoma team and why we thought, despite all the playmakers they have on offense, they could struggle this year is because of that line. And, you know, it came to fruition against Houston. I'm glad they're crashing down now and not, you know, taking a spot from us potentially down the road. Yeah, or maybe we just won't have to play him again this year in the college football playoff. It'll be upsetting, but... It's getting a little old. So another big upset, and not a really great day for the, uh, the SEC this weekend, Wisconsin, 16-14 to over number 5 LSU in Lambeau Field. That was, that was absolutely shocking to me. I had LSU in my college football playoff. I don't have them there now. Yeah, that's that was the one team, or them in Florida State, that I think I feared the most. If they figured out their quarterback situation, well, they didn't. No, and the fact that they got beat up so bad uh, in the trenches, uh, this could be a long year for them. It could be, you know, in long in the sense that they came in, came in with legit national title hopes, and they might be a middling SEC West team. Yeah, you could see less miles out of there if this keeps up halfway through the season. Yeah. I mean, because, Fournette couldn't get anything going. Because they did not lose this game because Wisconsin's good. I don't expect Wisconsin to be that good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they got. I mean, they were probably the better team, LSU was. But, yeah, it was, Wisconsin's not, not even top 25 this season. So let's go to another overranked SEC team. Number nine, Tennessee, was barely able to escape Appalachian State 20-13 to on Thursday night on some really bad coaching calls uh, by App State there at the end of the game. But, you know, App State... They're a decent team, but Tennessee, if they're really supposed to be as good and could win the SEC East, make it in the playoff possibly, you got to beat App State by more than that at home. In, in Knoxville, they feel like they are going to win the national championship or there's an outside shot that they're going to win the SEC, win the, win the playoff. And they certainly thought that they were going to win the SEC East. Uh, not not looking so good right now. And I mean, they thought Josh Dobbs was as good as Deshaun Watson or better. I, I don't see it. It looks like... Well, I think it's safe to say that neither Josh Dobbs or Deshaun Watson played like Deshaun Watson this week. (laughs) Well said. Um, So an SEC team that does seem to have found a quarterback, Alabama, man, they really laid it on Southern Cal 52-6. It was a close game early, but when this thing got got going out of hand, it got out of hand really, really quickly. Alabama looks dominant. Now, not to say they're going to look like this week in and week out, like that quarterback, that new guy, Jalen Hurts, is going to have to prove some stuff as the season goes along. And I think part of this has to do USC had a lot of recent distractions and some throughout the offseason, but still, nonetheless, neutral site game for Alabama to put a whooping on them like that, that's impressive. They did the boa constrictor. That's what they're known for. They just choke you out. I, I didn't get to watch it, obviously, because watching the Clemson game, but I do want to watch some of that film. Um, then kind of switching over to the uh, ACC here, you know, Georgia 33 over UNC 24. That was a really close game. That could have been a huge shot in the arm, Clemson beating Auburn. If USC could have play, uh, pulled off this game, combine that with a possible Florida State victory over Ole Miss tonight, 
Could have been a big weekend for the ACC. This game was close. It was closer than the nine-point final score. Georgia scored one there late, but I think it was still a good showing from North Carolina. Nothing to really hang their heads about. Yeah, they're a good team. I think the one thing we can take away is Mitch Trubinsky is he might be as good as Marquise Williams, but I don't think he's any better. I, I don't, yeah. And maybe it's his first game. He was, but I mean, he's an upperclassman. But maybe he just had some, you know, kind of like Deshaun Watson, some things to shake. But he was not. He made a lot of poor decisions. He's not, you know, the second coming. He, he could improve. Uh, this team's going to go as far as he'll take them, and they should have beat Georgia. Let's be honest. Uh, but you know, Georgia did pull it out. You know, good for them. And by the way, that was it was in the Georgia Dome. That was yeah. That was a home game. Well, that, and that's te- a fact. Technically a home game for UNC, but in actuality, it was a home game for Georgia. Yeah, without a doubt. Um, so one more ACC score to talk about here. Louisville, number 19 Louisville, absolutely demolished Charlotte 70-14. to 14. Cody, I know you're really high on Charlotte's defense. <laughs> <laughs> so you're, you're really high on uh, uh, Jackson there, the quarterback for, uh, for Louisville. He did have a phenomenal game and somebody we're going to have to watch out for. Yeah, I, I, texting with you, you think you just made fun of Charlotte. I say they're like mediocre, maybe they're solid. I'm terms of, in terms of their defense. All that aside, you know they they did get some pressure on Louisville's offensive line. That's a that's a red flag. Louisville couldn't really hold up against Charlotte's D line, but Lamar Jackson, when he saw the pocket collapse, he looked good. He was super quick uh, when he got some uh, some protection in the pocket. He was mostly accurate. Um, you know, still some still some things. I mean, when you got Clemson's D line coming at you, Florida State's D line coming at you, different story because you're gonna get hit. I don't think you ever really had the fear of getting hit. But man, he looks scary good. We know their defense, Louisville's defense is are you know gonna be very good. This could be a t- I mean, this could be a three team race in the in the in the Atlantic. I mean, and that's it. you look at this FSU game uh, playing at Louisville in just a couple weeks. That's huge. It's, it really is. Yeah, it really is, and it's going to be telling for us. We're going to get a good read on both programs during that game. And, and listen, I, I know Lamar Jackson. Yes, he looked fantastic, but I am no more afraid of him uh, now after the game than I was going into it because they were playing Charlotte. This is a this is a school with their fourth year playing football, their second year in, in the FBS. So, I mean, come on. For them to put You're not up, eight touchdowns. I mean, did you watch the game? Are you not a little bit more afraid of him? It's kind of like the Game of Thrones you're afraid that's all i know you're not stupid no i'm I'm not any more afraid it's not to say that going in that i wasn't worried about lamar jackson you must have been really high on him going in yeah i know he's a good quarterback this didn't do anything to change my mind it's charlotte a lot of teams are going to beat charlotte this bad this year middle tennessee state put up like 73 on him last year we'll see but i think he showed some things that will translate against greater competition and finally, wrapping this up, one of the least exciting games of the weekend, South Carolina goes into Nashville and really just storms back and beats Vandy 13-10. to 10. At least that was the headline on, I think, ESPN's page. They stormed back down 10 to nothing late in the game. Uh, yeah, pitiful performance by both teams. They're the bottom dwellers of the SEC, I'd say. And I really didn't learn anything about South Carolina here. I don't think Brandon McIlwain really proved himself to be the guy. And other than that, they got Perry Orth at quarterback. It's not going to be a good team this year. Yeah, not not a team we're going to be scouting. And the fact that whomever was calling that game was saying that Vandy saw this as a statement game if they could pull this off. How is it a statement game beating South Carolina at home? Dude, the ESPN guys are just hyping this thing up, man. It's got to make the SEC look good. Yeah. 
Well, that was football from around the country this week. Again, we got Ole Miss at uh, Florida State tonight. I believe they're playing in Orlando there, Cody. Right. right. Uh, so this is going to be a fantastic game. We're going to see what uh, Florida State has in their quarterback, DeAndre Francois. And then, obviously, Clemson fans will get to pull against, well, it's a big question. Do we pull for FSU or against Chad Kelly and Ole Miss? Oh, we definitely pull for FSU. I agree. We have to. Want them to barely win and not look good doing it. That's the best we can hope for. Yeah. I we, think, we want, yeah, we want Francois to look like kind of like uh, our, our man Sean White from Auburn, but we want them to, you know, kind of eke it. Well, lucky for Florida State fans, they don't have as many quarterbacks for uh, Jimbo Fisher to go through uh, tonight. I, I think it's going to be a great game. Um, Ole Miss comes in ranked the number 11 team in the country. They lose Robert Kimdiche for last year, but a lot of people think their defensive line could be better. Uh, this year, even without him, and then obviously we know what we're gonna, what we have out of Florida State. So, could be a barn burner tonight. Well, I mean, we kind of know what we have, but they, you know, Florida State, kind of like the Tennessee faithful, they think they're a legit national title contender, and they'll have to prove it. Last year, they weren't. Well, we'll see how that goes, and it'll be a good look into the future of what Clemson has to face down the road um, when we get to playing Florida State. I believe it's in uh, early November. So that's all we've got for here today, folks. Um, this was our Auburn recap. Uh, Clemson fans, the sky is not falling. The offense is going to be better. Don't worry. The big thing is, is we came out of this with a victory, and we're 1-0. Take it one game at a time. We've got Troy coming up this Saturday. It's, uh, I believe, a 12.30 a.m. start on the East Coast and 9.30 here for us out here in San Francisco. We'll be at the bar bright and early cheering for the Tigers, and we'll come back with you uh, at you with a recap of that game next week. And until then, and as always, go Tigers.